Welcome to Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. How do we know what we breathe is pure, clean air? We all know that there are various forms of air pollution that can affect our health and the health of our environment. But what really is in the air that we breathe? In this edition of Radio Curious, recorded in our studios on January 9th, 2009, we visit with Dr. Dean Wolbach, the former air pollution control officer for Mendocino County, California. Our conversation focused on the different types of air pollution and how they affect us, both globally and at the local level. We began when I asked Dr. Wolbach to provide an overview of air quality issues across history through the present day here in Mendocino County, California. Dean Wolbach, welcome to Radio Curious. Thank you very much. I've been interested in your program for a while. Well, I'm glad to have you here in the studios of Radio Curious to tell us about air quality. Generally, kind of from a historical perspective, and at some point, our air quality here in Mendocino County. Okay, uh, let's start out with the fact that air quality, as we normally think of it, has been an issue with humanity practically from the time beginning of history. And one of the particular uh, problems that we talk about with air quality is particulate matter, which impacts the lungs. There was a a very striking discovery made out in western China, a mummy. There's a group of people, old group of people who've gone out of history who buried their people and had, and they've been found, these, uh, the mummies. And there's one called the Beauty of Moulin. And this is a young woman, probably in her early to mid-20s, who died from uh, unknown uh, injuries or, or suffered from some unknown disease. But her health was seriously compromised by air pollution. They found that her lungs were practically filled with wood smoke and dust. Now, is this thought to have occurred during her lifetime or during the period of mummification? Oh, this is definitely during her lifetime. This is this is a lifetime process where. So they dissected her lungs. Yes, they did. A, they did a, a, a. I guess you would call it an autopsy, although they, they call it a necropsy. But anyway, yes, they dissected the the uh, mummy, and they found this as probably one of the primary causes why she died so young. What uh, period of time did she live in? How long about, ago? About 4,000 years ago, uh, about 2000 uh, B.C., out so, in the western Gobi Desert. What does this tell us? This tells us that life uh, and air pollution have been with us all along and that uh, lifestyles and locations have a tremendous impact and therefore we should be doing things that uh, we can 
mitigate our, those those issues. The um, I'd like to mention a couple of others. Uh, for example, one air pollutant that we hear a lot about is uh, dioxin. What most people don't know is that the peasants in, again in China, and Inca mummies. Inca from Peru. Inca from Peru. And uh, modern day urbanites have something very much in common, and that is a very high level of dioxins. And this is again caused by uh, lifestyles and uh, things. The peasants and the Incas are from their immediate home lifestyles, uh, whereas the urbanites are from our industrialized uh, generation of dioxins. Specifically, what are those dioxins, or better said, what are the sources of the dioxins that are outgassed that we breathe? Uh, dioxin is a combustion product. It requires an organic material that's being burnt, a reasonably low temperature, and chlorine, and a catalyst. And this can usually is uh, mainly copper, but it can be other things. So that when you uh, burn on a wood stove with a copper pot, you can generate uh, these, these dioxins can be generated. And they are uh, very toxic, and they cause very serious health effects. Copper is the uh, operative metal in creating the dioxin? Other uh, metals can. Uh, iron can, but to a much lesser uh, extent. In fact, it's very interesting that one of the problems with firefighters fire, fighting uh, uh, forest fires is they get such a load of smoke which contains dioxins from uh, from the trees uh, when they burn because of the salt and the low levels, the salt in the wood and the low levels of, of metals that are in the wood. So when they breathe a lot of that stuff over a period of time, they do get a pretty good load of dioxin. Before we started recording, you were talking about seven different elements and concepts that are directly related to air pollution. Yeah, air pollution is normally divided into about seven topical areas. Uh, most of them I would gather that most people have heard of at one time or another and may not have associated them all together with, with the general topic of air pollution. These include ozone depletion, which has kind of taken a back seat recently to to global warming. Uh, so that's the second one, global warming. Then there's acid rain. Uh, those of us who are a little bit older have heard a lot about acid rain. It's still going on, but uh, we don't uh, hear as much about it anymore. For those of us who are a little bit younger, um, can you describe what acid rain is, what it means, and how it affects us? Okay. Acid rain is the a result of uh, rain falling through uh, combustion product pollutants, primarily uh, sulfur oxides, nitrogen oxides. And when the rain, or the water and those sulfur oxides and nitrogen oxides mix, uh, they form uh, sulfuric and sulfurous acid, nitrous and nitric acid. 
Now, these are uh, come down and they acidify the water uh, uh, system, uh, the surface waters. They stress trees, and the, the, one of the things they cause a lot of uh, uh, die-off of uh, or, or sickening of, of, of forests and whatnot. I list that as the third in the in this series because the first two, the ozone depletion and the global warming, are are as it says global issues. Acid rain is a international issue uh, because the emissions from one place can cause acid rain problems at hundreds and hundreds of miles away. In fact. There's a great line in one of Henrik Ibsen's plays about the acid rain and smoke and smog coming in from England to Denmark. It's an international issue, uh, the third one. Then we get into what, we, what I call the non-attainment issues. And non-attainment is those issues associated with not uh, having unhealthy air with respect to certain specific pollutants that have been identified and whose health impacts or welfare impacts to the community have been identified and, and standards set. So what is not being attained then is the lower level of the pollutants that accept that is acceptable to health or personal welfare. That is correct. That is correct. And so if you don't attain something, uh, the, one of these standards, then you, your air is unhealthy. It's, it's uh, more polluted than it should be. So diverting for a moment from your list, um, what are some of the areas where we have problems from exceeding the appropriate level? In other words, not obtaining the lower level or the healthy or proper level for our welfare. I think I would like to mention at that on that subject uh, one particular study that has uh, just been concluded actually about four years, three or four years ago now, and it was done by the California Air Resources Board, and it's called the Children's Longitudinal Health Study. And they followed, I think, about 3,000 children uh, or over a period of 10 years from the time that they were uh Eight to the time that they were 18, and different levels of, of pollutant environment in, in California, some in, in clean areas, some in uh, not clean areas, shall we say. What was the most striking finding was that the lung growth of these children was directly correlatable in linear fashion to the level of pollution. The higher pollution, the, the less, less lung growth. The less lung growth. In fact, in the worst polluted areas over the cleanest areas that were studied, uh, there was about a 20 to 25% difference in lung capacity at age 18 for these, for these children. What were the contaminants? The contaminants were the, what we call part of the... Uh, what we call the criteria pollutants, those criteria by which we de uh, determine things as particulate matter, ozone, nitrogen oxides, those pollutants. Now then, another striking finding was that uh, anecdotally, most uh, I think people have heard that there's a, been a large increase in asthma. Actually, there has not been 
an increase in the cases of asthma per thousand population. What has happened is that there has been a much younger onset and a much more uh, virulent form of asthma. In other words, it's, it's much stronger and it starts at a much younger age. And this is directly correlatable to the levels of the pollutants to which the persons, the children are exposed. And those pollutants are? The uh, nitrogen oxides, ozone, sulfur oxides, and particulate material. And these are the things that we call the criteria pollutants, and these are the things we try to make attainment for in the, in the air, pollution qual- air quality industry. Where do those pollutants exist? Those pollutants exist everywhere, but I think your question is where do they come from? Or where are they more concentrated? The more combustion you have. Cars. Cars, fuel burning of any sort. Natural gas and wood. Natural gas and wood, oil. All uh, combustion sources generate this. And the, and the more intense the, the amount of combustion... Uh, the the heavier these pollutants are. So intensity is also um, quantity. Large cities. Uh, yes, uh, the more densely the more densely populated the 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 more you'll get because the more people are using uh, these sources of uh, combustion as uh, as an energy source for for their uh, life economics. In this edition of Radio Curious, we're visiting with Dean Wolbach who is the former air pollution control officer for Mendocino County with an extensive resume of experience in his 40 years of work in air quality and identifying air pollution. You're listening to Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. Dean, going back to the list of seven uh, aspects of air pollution, mm-hmm. Okay, the, the next aspect uh, is toxic air contaminants. And those are found? Those are found uh, practically everywhere, uh, where we have any type of, of industry, uh, sometimes where we don't expect to find uh, types of industry. Uh, for example, locally here, we've had a case of a gentleman who was recovering wire, copper wire, from waste wire. What he was doing was to take the copper wire, which has insulation on it, and burning off the insulation and smelting and melting it down in his backyard. This generated, as we, as I mentioned before, this generated large amounts of dioxin. So his whole yard was contaminated with, with dioxin from this. He is a a guy just struggling to try to get along, and he found this little niche, and that was the result. It's another case where we had where a person... Well, what was the result? What happened? What was the extent of the contamination? The contamination was uh, uh, quite extensive in his in his local area and, and uh, to a certain extent on in his neighbor's yard. And that came from the burning of the covering on the copper wire or the melting of the copper? The combination of the two. The combination of the two, because basically what he would do is put the put the wire in a in a pot and heat it up and let it ignite, and so the insulation would burn off and the copper would melt. So it's all right there together. Okay. Same 
situation, only a different uh, different air toxic, uh, was a, a gentleman who was recovering uh, lead to make fish sinkers. And so he was smelting lead. And actually, in that case, it was much more serious because his family had developed the symptoms of, of lead poisoning from that. From breathing the fumes. From the breathing lead. the fumes, yes. That's the local issue of air toxics. One of the larger issues that you you think of is the accidental spill, for example, Bhopal. Uh, Bhopal, India actually triggered much of the legislation that we currently have, both uh, federally and, and statewide, uh, on the control of, of uh, uh, toxic materials that can become airborne and air contaminants. Going on from uh, toxic air contaminants, let me get down to the very, very personal issue of uh, indoor air quality. And finally, another issue that a lot of people don't think of too much but is is actually an issue here in in Mendocino County, and that's uh, radon. Well, before we get to radon, let's uh, spend a few minutes on indoor air quality. What are some of the contaminants that exist in the average home, perhaps here in Mendocino County, that uh, we should be aware of and avoid? Well, first let me say that uh, there has been uh, several studies that have shown that you can have higher air contaminants indoors than outdoors. So it, it, is, it, it can be a, a serious issue. And interestingly, when we go to our energy efficiency homes where they're nice and tightly sealed, you can get uh, serious problems. And those problems are? Or the buildup of concentrations of these air toxics. Which are? A classic one, of course, is, is cigarette smoke. Uh, there is also nitrogen oxides from gas-fired stove. There is uh, pollutants that comes from your fireplace or wood stove. There is uh, your paint and the insulation, which can or used to be have uh, uh, be able to exude large levels of, of formaldehyde. You're talking about the insulation and paint. Uh, insulation primarily. Some uh, some paints would have would have uh, uh, formaldehyde too, and asbestos. Let's talk about paint for a minute. Once the paint is applied, do the toxics outgas and then leave? Or is it over a long period of time? Does it depend on the kind of paint? Uh, yes, to all those questions. Uh, depending upon the type of paint and uh, the, its drying time and things, the, the emissions will occur over, over a, an extended period of time. In fact, one of the things that we found that needed to be done with, with new homes, new office buildings and things, was what we call a bake-out. And understand at this point that I'm going away from my uh, air, air APCO, air quality district status, to my earlier work uh, as a consultant in, in, in the area, as an engineering firm consultant, because... The air districts don't have authority over over your individual home, inside your home. But the the bake-out of a, of, a, of a new place has, has become a, a standard procedure for getting rid of a lot of the toxics that are there. How is a bake-out done? <laughs> 
Basically, what you do is you turn on the air recycle system to 100% going out, and you turn up the temperature in the place to practically as high as it'll go, and you leave it there for a day or two. And uh, this will normally take out most of the of the uh, toxics, air toxics that are uh, volatile air toxics. There are some that'll, that are, that are there that are not volatile that become airborne, uh, asbestos being one of the ones that we've done a lot of work to try to get rid of. Is it a fair assumption that as a house stands, let's say a 20-, 30-year-old house that uh, has fairly heavy insulation, that's been in existence for that amount of time, would it be beneficial to the occupants to do a bake-out occasionally? No. No. One that old or whatnot, you've got most most of it out. In fact, you might do more damage because of the change in the in the materials. Newer materials are better able to stand that type of thing than the older materials. So, uh, the the benefit the benefit would not be that good. Except, except if you are a person or have members of your family who have uh, uh, multiple chemical sensitivity. They have multiple chemical sensitivity, then it would probably be, it may be beneficial to bake out any uh, any residence at any time. And, uh, but I don't think on a, on a continuing basis would be necessary, but so at least once on or twice. So moving on to radon. Mm-hmm. Radon is present here in, in Mendocino County. Radon it comes from the uh, decay of uh, uranium. Radon itself is not a problem. The problem is that radon decays, and when it decays, it, be, it decays to materials that are chemically active. Radon itself is one of the inert gases. Therefore, it doesn't, doesn't react with anything. Goes in and out of your lungs, but if it happens to be in your lungs, when it decays, it decays to compounds which are chemically active and will be uh, held in your lungs. And when it's held in your lungs, and then as it decays further down the chain, each time it decays, it emits more radiation, and pretty soon causes cancer. Is the decay prompted or naturally occurring? Decay is uh, naturally occurring. I mean, it's uh, it's like a clock. It is a clock. It's uh, you've heard of uh, the atomic clocks. This is a clock. You know, a tick, 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 tick. How do you identify its existence? There are uh, test kits that uh, that you can put. In fact, they recommend that if you have a basement or any place like that uh, uh, that people are have access to where gases from the earth can be trapped. So that would be an enclosed basement under the house as opposed to a pier or perimeter foundation with vents. Absolutely, yes, yes. And uh, anything like that will have a serious problem. And what is to be done about it? (laughs) Uh, It's difficult, but the primary primary thing to do is to seal, seal the basement. Uh, if you seal it uh, well enough from incoming gases and whatnot, you can prevent this stuff coming in, all the cracks and things with with lacquer, shellac, 
uh, paint, caulk, caulk. Yes. So seal it to keep the gases from coming in, as opposed to seal it so it's no longer a usable space. That's correct. That's correct. Okay. Yes. Dean Wolbach, before we close, as we are getting to the end of our conversation here. Uh, in the first of a series of interviews. Can you recap those seven air quality issues? Sure. We have ozone depletion, global warming, acid rain, non-attainment, air toxics, indoor air quality, and radon. Well, I hope that we can come back and discuss these in more detail. Before we close... Can you uh, tell us of an interesting concept, idea, or philosophy that you've uh, come across recently? There's two levels that are on that, and because of the time constraints here, I'll only talk about the the more general one in the programs line. And that is that I've been doing a lot of reading and studying about our uh, about our government, about what our uh, founding fathers said and did, why they did what they did the debates that they had uh, about the uh, about setting it up. And i got to tell you, those boys, their thoughts, both pro and con, both those that were accepted and not accepted, resonate tremendously today in, our, in what we're seeing uh, immediately today. And I would be – I wish I had done – I had gone in and studied this – 20 years ago, it would have made a big impact on how I approached many things. Including air quality. Including air quality, yes. And can you tell us of an interesting book that you've read lately? <laughs> Doing a lot of reading since I'm retired, but uh, probably one of the most interesting I've read recently is uh, uh, President-elect Obama's book, uh, uh, Dreams from My Father followed up by his The Audacity of Hope. Those two uh, give me hope, give me hope. Uh, also read uh, Samuel Adams' biography and the book on uh, Team of Rivals uh, about uh, Lincoln's uh, cabinet. All four uh, recently very to the point of what we're what we're what we're living today. Well, Dean Wolbeck, thank you for being with us on Radio Curious. Well, thank you for having me. Dr. Dean Wolbeck is the former air pollution control officer for Mendocino County, California. He recommends several books: The Audacity of Hope, Thoughts on Reclaiming the American Dream, and Dreams of My Father. A Story of Race and Inheritance by Barack Obama, Team of Rivals, The Political Genius of Abraham Lincoln by Doris Kearns Goodwin, and Samuel Adams by Ira Stoll. This interview with Dr. Dean Wolbach was recorded on January 9, 2009, in the studios of Radio Curious in Ukiah, California.
There are over 500 editions of Radio Curious on our website, radiocurious.org. They're free to listen, download, and share as you wish. The email address is curious at radiocurious.org or snail mail at 280 North Oak Street, Ukiah. That's U-K-I-A-H, California, 95482. And the phone is 707-462-6541. Christina Onestead is the assistant producer, and I'm host and producer Barry Vogel. Thank you for listening.